May the words of our mouths and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. We are finding that it, the microphone in the pulpit is a little interesting this morning. So that if I need to speak up, if you will give me a sign, I'll try to project a little more. Okay? I would be blessed by your feedback. <laughs> Our readings today indeed are blessings and some of the most beautiful and comforting words in our scripture. They are about God's grace and about human hope and about living a peaceful life. Our collect, as it does up front every single service, collects our awareness to focus our readings on a God who hears the supplications of the people of God, bringing them peace in their own time. First, we've heard Micah as he recalls his people the God who has led, nurtured, and guided them in the wilderness throughout their long history. His people's response is to admit their guilt, to ask what sacrifices they're required to make to return to relationship with a God of loving kindness who wishes to bless them. Micah tells them their worship is not about sacrificing, not sacrificing possessions nor family members, but about espousing just behaviors, about mercy, about walking humbly with their God. It's not about anything they must give up, but how they are to attempt to behave. In our gospel, which is the very first gospel of Jesus of Nazareth to his disciples, all the disciples and the crowd are told they are already blessed in ways that they cannot even conceive. Blessed in ways that can be hard for all of us to believe in tough times. Now, neither the original audience nor those of us here immediately, I suspect, think that the poor in spirit are blessed or that those in grief over important losses are blessed as well, nor the meek who don't stand up for themselves. And certainly we would question, are those who are persecuted and reviled blessed? Yes, maybe the merciful and the peacemakers. It seems like such a long-range plan. Yet, the tense of the verb tells them they are blessed. It might help to think that in the Episcopal tradition, we take our major understandings from the Book of Common Prayer. And to remember that we begin our services with the words, Blessed be God, 
And we're apt to end them by saying, let us bless the Lord. And our reply is, thanks be to God. We bless by giving thanks. Now, a very recent YouTube offering reported a survey that was conducted by Harvard University over the past 70 years. They began long ago beginning this project with Harvard sophomores, some of whom are still alive. And in their early years, they ask each and every one, what was the most important thing in life to them? what they wanted to be. And without fail, each wanted to be rich and successful. It seems to be a human trait. Yet, as surviving participants were interviewed just recently, each now felt that the most important thing in life was a loving relationship. The exact same result occurred in a control group, also followed since 1930, of an equal number of participants chosen from the poor neighborhoods around Harvard. So it seems there's a common human denominator at work. It may be that there is no shortcut to wisdom. I am reminded that when I first joined this town's first aid squad some 45 years ago, I asked a long-term volunteer, who certainly blessed people, just why he did what he did. And he answered that he tried to live his life in such a way that if he ever got mugged in a dark alley some night, it would at least be a stranger who did it. Now, perhaps it can be as simple as that, to devote ourselves to just care, to being merciful, and to acknowledging that we are not fully in control of what happens to us can bring us blessings and a sense of peace. Peace has, after all, been described as an awareness that whatever resources we already have will see us through and be good enough. It is certainly true, I think, that when we become aware of human fallibility, we may be led to acknowledge that we have been guided and blessed beyond our merits, given gifts all along the way, and then it seems to be easier to have the faith that it will continue to be so. An awareness of how each of us has acknowledged that we've been blessed will probably be different for each one of us. Yet for our comfort, whenever we remember that God appears in poverty and in sickness, and in real life situations 
to find a way to bless, we then acknowledge that by continuing and perhaps sharing godly blessings, we address common human needs. That awareness is an affirmation that even in our darkest times, we are already blessed and beloved, and that hope and courage are the reasonable reaction. I think it's not easy in the midst of sickness, divorce, job worries, or family difficulties to affirm that prayers are heard, that we have advocacy, and there will be peace in our own time. When we see our own dreams of health, wealth, and happiness blow apart in our faces, and we realize that cause and effect thinking has failed us, then we can be driven, with some help, to recognize the giftedness of life and grace and blessing, and then be moved like our God to compassion to other sentient beings, to affirm that there is a godly way we can claim and ideally copy. We when we can admit that, like all others, we are fallible and claim that we are still beloved, are given that special gift of peace and the ability to write a brand new life story energized, energized by release from anguish and cultivating a trust in a sense of hidden power that wishes to bless and to keep us in hope. And affirm then that our resources and abilities carry us forward in partnership. <clears throat> now, for years I did hospital ministry where, quite frankly, patients are all too aware that they are not in control. Some are afraid they may not even survive and are aware, after all, that their very own bodies have somehow failed them. So we would visit, and I would point out that obviously they were survivors because here they were. And I would ask them what indeed had kept them in life and leave them to figure it out. <laughs> then we would ask, how with their own resources they might write or rewrite a story of gift and blessing to give thanks for life's blessings and to ask for more of them. Our epistle affirms that we do not have to do that alone. Those Corinthians are, after all, jousting for earthly position in their religious hierarchy. Some are so intent on their accomplishment that there is no peace. And it's about who is to be in control. Paul argues that they are into what's been called fundamental atheism, acting as if what they receive in life is entirely up to them and to their behaviors. 
And he tells them it's not about who they are. It's about whose they are. It is about advocacy and mercy and walking humbly in thanksgiving, about asking for more for themselves and for one another, asking a God who wishes to bless. They, too, are to claim that in emotional dark alleys there is advocacy and godly blessing and new life Dearly beloved, divine energies wish to work through us all to open the human heart as we acknowledge that we have ever been blessed and given life and advocacy as a gift. And so that the joy of the reality of being beloved might move us Move us to incarnate blessing behaviors in each of our lives. And then go out and perhaps keep the godly blessing in play, in awareness, and in new life. Amen.